welcome back. You're watching Stock Picks, and today we unpack Astral, Deer and Co, as well as Johnson and Johnson with Gary Boyce and FOM Ransfield. Gary, a pleasure. Good afternoon to you. Good afternoon. Thanks for having me. All right, Gary, before we get into the counters, let's talk about why uh, you've chosen them. Was it an, an arbitrary uh, a selection, or uh, you know, were you purposeful in this one? Uh, well, it's, it's not an arbitrary selection. It was actually, I suppose, you know, whenever you give stock picks uh, in the public like this, you're trying to, to give people value and, mm -hmm. uh, and trying to get good entry points as well, because every now and again, these get tracked. And, and uh, so I think, you know, technically, uh, these, these stocks are all looking pretty good. And there's, there's all some, uh, you know, event news around them that, uh, that will serve as a catalyst. I suppose if we're trying to draw together a general theme today, you know, other than Johnson & Johnson, I suppose Astral and, and John Deere, they, they're both kind of farming businesses. But, uh, uh, Johnson Johnson doesn't really fit in there as, a, as now a pharmaceutical company, but uh, but I think you know really from a technical basis uh, we have nice entry levels on a lot of them, and there's a lot of reasons to buy. Let's talk about Astral because I mean Astral released a set of numbers yesterday, so all of that's still fresh uh, in our minds. It has been a shocking period for Astral. I think uh, yeah, first of its kind, first loss in 23 years. Yeah, first loss in 23 years, and, and you can understand why why this this loss has happened. And, and I think the the market is looking through the results. So the last, uh, as I said, there's a catalyst to to why we selected it today, and uh, you can see the share price reaction to these results. First loss in in, in uh, 23 years. Uh, we're talking about revenue, which uh, came in at 19.3 billion, but but down 0.4 percent, um, and a whopping 600 uh, 621 million rand loss. So uh, you know a, a decline in earnings per share of 148 percent. So that is terrible, terrible news. And yet we've had the stock up strongly uh, since the announcement. And and I think uh, not as bad as the market was expecting. Now, why was the market expecting such a terrible set of results from Astral? Uh, well, of course, we have the avian influenza. There's bird flu going around. Uh, there's been culling of uh, chickens you know, across specifically Gauteng and Bumalanga. And and this is obviously going to have an impact on, on Astral's bottom line. Uh, at the same time, we have, we're in a high interest rate environment. Uh, you know, the cons consumers are, are under pressure. Uh, um, they're having they're having to shift their their protein consumption away from from more expensive chicken. So it's been very difficult for Astral to put through those the the price increases. At the same time, we have uh, power issues, water issues. All of this is uh, is delaying uh, the slaughtering of birds. So we're seeing much fatter, heavier birds that uh, are require longer feeding. And Astral hasn't been able to slaughter you know on schedule, and that's uh, that's also created uh, enormous problems for the company. But uh, as I said, the stock price is up aggressively for two days, and that's because it does look like there's a, there's a valuation argument here. And it does look like if you look out to kind of the, the, the end of next year, you can easily see a recovery. This is a very, very cyclical business. Uh, the shares have been punished on the expectations that these results were going to be good, uh, going to be uh, at least very bad. Um, the, the business, they've obviously canceled their dividend as well. Never good news for shareholders. But the focus is going to be on repairing the balance sheet, getting back to being a dividend paying company, um, and hopefully with a little bit of tariff protection, which is already in place, um, you know, just patching up as a business. And I think, you know, as I said, very, very cyclical. You tend to get a lot of share price volatility in something like Astral. So picking it, uh, you know, where it's trading at the moment, sort of uh, mid 150s, you know, I can easily see the stock recovering back above 200 rand a share. And it does look like a good entry point uh, into the sector, a sector that is absolutely critical uh, in the South African economy. You you, you know, we, we have to eat and, and, uh, and, and Astral is fulfilling a very basic uh, need for South Africans. So uh, yeah, definitely. Definitely something that we'd be adding to portfolios. I think uh, yesterday when I spoke to uh, the CEO, he had said that uh, you know they uh, can only do what they've seen the last six uh, last year or so. 
for one period uh, and then things have to pick up from there and so I'm very hopeful about the prospects of the business. I'm wondering uh, though uh, Gary from a risk perspective the uncontrollables for this company seem to be quite a bit. Of course they've done quite a bit to build resilience in electricity um, also we're really uh, also doing the same with water uh, but things like uh, this uh, flu, uh, this avian flu uh, just seems to be something that is cyclical and does happen in the poultry industry once every few years. I think it's one of the risks that you've got to adopt when buying a company like this. Uh, this is not, uh, you know, this this is always going to be a, a volatile share, but uh, you, know, you do expect things to to get better over time. Um, you know, avian influenza, it's 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 part of the. Um, yeah, it's 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 part of the the operating environment for for all chicken businesses. So, uh, yes, it's it's unfortunate that it's happened now. But uh, and, and I mean, there are there are concerns that it isn't being brought under control, and and that more needs to be done. But uh, at the same time, you know, when you're an investor, you've got to take a longer term view. You've got to look at this as a, a one off item that's creating a narrative around the stock that's helping to drive the shares lower, and and really giving you an invest uh, an investment opportunity. You, you know, over the long term. So. Um, you know, this is an entry point that, that we, we do believe that avian, you know, this avian influenza is going to be temporary in, in the grand scheme of things. And it's not the type of, uh, it's not the type of impact that is going to put Astral out of business. It really is the juggernaut in the sector. Um, you know, it's, uh, you know, it's been called the OPEC of chickens in South <laughs> Africa. So it, it really, I mean, there is a, there's a good chance looking at the, the substitute products that come in from overseas. Um, they're a lot more expensive than do- domestically reared birds. And, and, and just that is probably Probably going to allow Astral to uh, put through some price increases. That's going to quickly patch up the balance sheet and uh, and then hopefully give investors a, a decent return going forward. Very uh, interesting one there, uh, Gary. Let's take a look at Johnson and Johnson. When I when I Google Johnson and Johnson, lots of litigation. <laughs> I'm not sure what's happening there. If that's the name of the game uh, in the big pharma space, actually in the U.S. Yeah, so, so remember Johnson Johnson is a very different business, uh, you know, ever since, uh, you know, the, the unbundling of the, the consumer healthcare, uh, the, the, at least the consumer health business. Um, and now it's, it's focus is purely pharmaceutical and, and, and medical devices. So they operate to, in two divisions, the pharmaceutical division, which, uh, is actually being relabeled now because the business is in some transition as innovative medicine. Um, and it, it operates in six areas. So infectious disease, neuroscience, immunology, uh, oncology, cardiovascular, uh, metabolism and pulmonary pulmonary hypertension if i can say that um and yeah and then obviously that's the that's the one business the other business is medical tech as well so you know a whole range of products uh, you know that uh, cater for surgery orthopedics uh, vision you know all, all sorts of different medical devices uh, you know, it is a, it is a very different business you, you obviously mentioned uh, you know i think it, it is to, to an extent par for the course that uh, your know, pharmaceutical businesses do do have obviously you know very tight regulation around their their products and and i mean they are Obviously, uh, you know, every now and again, when you're operating at the scale that, that a Johnson & Johnson operates at, uh, you're going to have, uh, you're going to always face some sort of regulatory issues and, and you're going to face some sort of uh, court case somewhere along the lines. But overall, the, the business has changed its focus really to focus on pharma and medical devices because they're trying to put themselves back on a growth footing. Um, you know, if you look at, uh, you know, this, uh, the third quarter um, sales, uh, they're now forecasting full year, full year revenue of around between 83.6 billion and 84 billion, just to give you 
the scope of, of, of the revenue line of this business. Um, if you look at their earnings guidance between uh, $10.07, $10.13, also a significant lift to where they were previously. Part of that is the uh, is an acquisition that they did uh, you know, in the medical device space, um, that being uh, integrated into the company. So I think a, a lot of interesting things happening within the business, a much more focused business. Um, I think one of the risks around it, you, you've kind of already mentioned the regulatory risks, mm-hmm. but it's also the decline in COVID sales. Uh, we've seen you know, Pfizer's share price being impacted as well, you know, less vaccine sales, and immediately the market kind of reacting to that and saying, oh, these businesses need to be marked down. But I think it's those markdowns that are giving you an opportunity to to to, to enter into, I think, uh, uh, at, at, a, at a very decent level. And again, if you go look at kind of the share price chart, you'll see it's pulled back to a lower support line. And and a lot of that has, I think, been to do with the negativity around the, the, the COVID vaccine sales. Um, and uh, potentially we get an uplift from here. What's also interesting about uh, this one, and I'm wondering if it's just the name of the game also with pharmaceuticals, is that acquisitions are a normal uh, here. It's uh, very seldom that a company like this would grow organically and build a business uh, from, uh, you know, the inside, uh, Gary. And I'm wondering what then uh, it means uh, for uh, uh, the balance sheet, because what we know is that, of course, that's more value coming in. Yeah, John, I mean, Johnson Johnson, after, after, you know, unbundling their consumer health business, uh, their, their balance sheet is very, very strong. So, um, you know, looking at it, they are not, you know, kind of telegraph big deals in the pipeline at, at this stage. So we're not expecting any kind of headline announcements to come out that they're buying this or that. But, but you're 100% right. It's the nature of the pharmaceutical segment, whether you look at, you know, something like Pfizer or AstraZeneca or Glaxo, um, Johnson Johnson now clearly in the pharma space. It, it, the, the nature is to see these smaller biotech companies once they create uh, you, you know what what is going to be a blockbuster drug in future um, you, you see them being acquired by the the, the big kind of uh, heavyweights in the sector. And Johnson Johnson is one of those. So, you, you know, looking at the, the existing uh, products, you know, the likes of Remicade, uh, Zytiga, um, there is obviously biosimilar composite competition. And, you know, these are drugs that are that are quite mature uh, in the pipeline, but that shouldn't be a concern for a company uh, the size of Johnson & Johnson, because as you say, um, it's it's the nature of almost like a tech business and, and pharma to an extent needs to be compared to tech. You know, when when the new drugs are developed, when these, these interesting new smaller um, biotech companies um, you know, develop an, an interesting new, uh, um, essentially, molecule or product. Um, that's where the Johnson Johnson steps in and helps them generate the scale um, that they can. That 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 is is very unique to you know in terms of the manufacturing, in terms of the distribution, um, and and obviously in terms of the funding as well. Let's move back into the agri space, uh, Gary Deer and Co. Uh, let's talk about uh, this company uh, and uh, how it plays in the agricultural sector. But I think it also a dominant player. I think with attractors, I. Ha- I've never heard of a tractor, so learned something new today. <laughs> <laughs> so it's, it's, it's a simplification to say it's a big tractor selling company, but uh, you know they operate across also three three divisions. So uh, production and pre- precision, which, which specifically focuses on large grains, small grains, cotton and sugar cane. Um, they, they, then that's that's about 46% of their business by revenue. Then small agriculture and turf is, is the second segment. Uh, this looks at like high value crop, uh, livestock and dairy. Uh, and then of course, construction and forestry, which you can think of like those big, big yellow machinery um, that accounts for about 26% of revenue. So, uh, you know, a massive range of, of, of vehicles that that uh, that are supplied into the, the agricultural space. But I think what, what's interesting about this company is is actually the technology that they're, they're, they're developing currently. So, um, you know, they've identified around 150 billion rand market gap that they can fill through uh, kind of very, very precision um, implementation. And, and I mean, watching their, their latest uh, investor day and, 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 and the technological 
the technology products that are coming to market, if you look at the John Deere tech stack, it is absolutely incredible. Um, you're talking about you know, these big kind of combine harvesters or these uh, irrigation machines that, that have GPSs and, and GPUs sitting inside the, them that create a data set, immediately upload that to a cloud, is analyzed at John Deere that can then be fed back into farm farmers to you know, optimize their farms. You know, they, they collect data on everything from soil types to the fertilizer type being used to, to the way that the, the farmer is irrigating a spe the specific shape of field and then relate this all to the yield that the farmer can produce. So you know, a massive amount of uh, interesting data that can be applied. And, and when you look at uh, what these machines allow people to do, it, is, it really is incredible. You, you're talking about people that plant sort of 50 million to, to 500 million seeds and, and their entire staff complement is eight or nine people because they have the technology and the machines to, to be able to do this. So food security, obviously, uh, you know, a key theme going forward and, and John Deere, you know, squarely um, in that space. Uh, so, you know, labor in the U.S., I mean, 50%, 53% of their sales come from the U.S. Uh, labor in the U.S. is becoming a little bit more expensive. Automation is a clear focus in, in the agri-space and, uh, and that's where it is, and it, it, it's cheap. I mean, mm -hmm. if you look at some of the, the tech companies out there, and, and I mean, I would almost argue that that that, uh, that uh, Deere and Co is a tech company to an extent. I mean, you've got these things trading on on sort of forty times sales. Uh, you know, John Deere trading at, at one point seven eight times sales, and it's trading on an eleven PE. Uh, yet it has a, a five year compound uh, profit after tax growth rate of twenty six percent. So this is uh, you know it's an incredibly cheap company, incredibly high quality company. It has the economies of scale. It's very very difficult to compete with. You know it's a slightly smaller than Caterpillar, which is its big rival. But but I mean this this is a business that was start, started selling tractors in, in nineteen eighteen. It's got eighty two thousand employees. This is an absolute giant in the sector. And when you have that size and, 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 and the kind of information that they have, I think it's incredibly difficult to compete with them, uh, you, you know, in any meaningful way. So, yeah, entrenched in, in the segment, got the economies of scale that you need and, and not expensive, definitely something to be adding to a portfolio. It does sound like a capital intensive business. I'm wondering if that at all, uh, you know, is a barrier to its growth or if, you know, then the, the, you just kind of stock on that balance sheet, make it strong enough and make sure that you've got the working capital to turn out the machinery as you should. Yeah, absolutely. So, so it is also a cyclical business. So, you know, we're talking about farming today. Farming is always going to be a cyclical business. And, and you are right in that, uh, you know, farmers specifically can delay their capital expenditure if, if you're moving into an economic downturn. So if the likes of, you know, maize prices are falling and, and, and farms are becoming less profitable, um, absolutely. You can say, well, actually, we're not going to, you know, buy new machinery this year. We'll delay that spending, uh, you know, for a couple of years. But yeah, I think, you know, looking, looking at the valuation around the stock markets need to look through that, you know, if you're buying any equity, you should have at least a five, five to ten year view on, on holding it. Um, this, you know, John Deere for me is going to be, you know, you buy this through the cycle. You've had a nice pullback from highs, uh, you know, from from kind of four hundred and fifty dollars a share down to around three hundred and eighty dollars of a share. You, you've got a nice correction to buy into at the moment. And uh, as I said, the, the valuation for me is compelling. And for our retail investors sitting at home, Gary, wondering uh, in what order they would or could uh, enter these counters, uh, which order would you go in? Yeah, it's difficult to put an order on them exactly. Mm -hmm. So, so today I would probably buy Deere and Company. I think I think it's probably more compelling. Johnson and Johnson. I think you might have a little bit more time on. I, I still think the, that the the actual entry point is is excellent. But if I had to put an order, I'd say John Deere first, then probably Astral, uh, and then John, uh, Johnson and Johnson third. So, so one John Deere, two uh, Astral, three Johnson and Johnson.
And like of course, that depends on if you want offshore or local. There's, there's yes. a lot of factors you need to concern when putting those in that order. Absolutely. Yeah. Uh, Gary, let's talk about uh, the price earnings to growth ratio. That's one we don't hear of often, but I think it might be one of the most comprehensive ratios we have out there. Well, I, I suppose you, you you need to understand it first. Mm. So, so everyone understands a price price earnings ratio, and that, that gives you a basic valuation of the stock. How much are you paying uh, in earnings terms? Now, all a peg ratio does, so price to earnings growth ratio, is it kind of adds that 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 expectation component. So, it changes it quite a lot because it depends on on what your expectation is, um, you know, of the earnings growth, and and depending on what you're using as your earnings growth estimate, um, that's going to change your peg ratio. So, it's not something that you can say the peg ratio on the stock is one point two. Well, the peg ratio is 0.8 because it really depends on what your inputs are that you're using. But where it is particularly useful, and, and I suppose it's, yeah, I used to sit, on, I still sort of sit on a trading desk, <laughs> uh, is when you have to analyze results very, very quickly to see whether or not um, you, you know, the earnings look reasonable or not. And, and typically a peg of one is, is kind of seen as fair value, but it gives you a very quick way to look at the results and say, were those earnings enough? Was that earnings growth enough to justify the price of the stock? And all you do is you take the PE ratio and you look at the growth and, and you kind of create your own peg ratio. So if uh, ShopRite is trading, uh, let's say, uh, at, at a P, uh, last 12 months or historical uh, P ratio of 20 and the, and the earnings growth rate is 20, then you're sitting on essentially a peg of one. You're, you're saying the stock, you know, the earnings have grown by, by 20%. Uh, the stock is on a, on a 20 PE. Your peg is sitting at around one. So it gives you a very quick way to realize if the earnings growth was, was high enough in a stock if you, if you haven't got actual underlying estimates. So, you know, if you look at a stock and, and the, the P ratio is 15 and it comes out with uh, a, you know earnings growth of 30%, suddenly you're looking at this saying, hey, that's a that's a peg of half. That's that's a really good, those were really good results. So it gives you a, a way to quickly react to a sense announcement or a trading statement without having to go out and dig out uh, detailed estimates. Um, of course, you know, it also gives you a nice valuation tool. If you have your own uh, estimates on on where the, the earnings growth is going to be, or if you have, uh, if you're lucky enough to have an, a team of analysts that are that are putting these together for you, you can then also use it as a valuation metric to try and help you select better stocks. Well, Gary, it's always a pleasure learning from you. Thank you so much for your time this afternoon. That was Gary Boyson from Ryan Swiss.